In what we're doing now, we are getting to a feel of the world that is neither organic nor mechanical. Simply what it is. We don't know the contrast, just as we don't know the contrast voluntary involuntary. We don't know the contrast organically. All right, folks, we're back. Meditations and Molotovs. I'm your host, Vince Emanuele. This program airs every Monday at 2 p.m. East Coast time. That's 11 a.m. Pacific Coast on the Progressive Radio Network. That's PRN.FM. What else can we talk about today? It seems to me that everyone who's talking about the recent attack and shootings in Orlando is attempting to fit that incident into their own worldview. So I'll give you a couple of examples. The first example, of course, would be those who simply want to blame religion. And while, in my opinion, religion does have something to do with violence. It's not the sole cause of the shooting. So people who are trying to make the argument that we can only or should only focus on radical Islam, of course, are the same people who more often than not promote a radical right-wing ideology themselves. And this was the case with Bush and Osama bin Laden. Bush representing right-wing evangelical Christians and Osama bin Laden to one degree or another representing radical Sunni Muslims. Both groups racist, both ideologies inherently homophobic, both ideologies inherently sexist, rampant with misogyny, built on a patriarchal foundation, both ideologies and religions responsible for wars and atrocities and torture, sexual abuse, and so on. And we can go down the line. You know, the gun, so the gun rights folks are trying to fit this into a context of owning weapons. so-called gun rights, the liberals, as they see it, trying to, quote, take their guns away, unquote. It's pretty clear to me that no one is going to take away anyone's guns in this country. So anyone who's out there listening to this, 
who thinks for one second that the U.S. government, the National Guard, county sheriffs, SWAT teams, or any combination of the above are going to come to your home and confiscate your weapons is completely out of their minds. It hasn't happened. It isn't happening. And it's not going to happen. Of course, the people who are going to benefit the most from this incident will be the gun rights manufacturers. I'm sorry, the gun manufacturers, who are also in some ways manufacturing the gun rights debate. The gun manufacturers are going to make billions more dollars than they would have without this incident. Now, I'm not quite sure if you could calculate the exact amount of money that gun manufacturers will make as a result of these incidents. But one could estimate. And everyone knows what happens every time there's a shooting in this country. So every time there's a massive shooting, Democratic politicians get on TV and say, well, we need, we need, we need to pass these proposals, this legislation, so on. And while I might agree with some of that legislation and completely disagree with those who believe that Anyone, anywhere, anytime should be able to purchase, own, or carry a firearm. There's a great level of hypocrisy when we see the drone commander-in-chief on TV lecturing everyone about violence, safety, community, and solidarity. Fortunately... More and more Americans no longer listen to Obama, Clinton, or the other neoliberals within the neoliberal party of the Democrats. Fortunately, less and less people are listening to them. But let's back up. The reality is people have to calm down. Okay, easier said than done for people who may, you know, say live outside of Orlando, people who do not identify as LGBTQ, people who didn't know someone who was personally affected, injured, or killed as a result of Saturday evening's incident. But there are 330 million people who live in this country. Now, does that mean we should accept the ungodly and insane levels 
of gun violence that we experience in this country? Of course not. However, does that mean people should put this shooting into a bigger and broader context? Part of that context being a recognition that over 330 million people live in this country, the vast majority of whom, I don't know what the number would be, not upwards of 95%, let's say. And I know it's higher than that. But let's just say 95% of people in this country are not going to kill someone. Over 95% of people in this country are not going to kill someone. They're not going to shoot anyone. And they're surely not going to massacre dozens and dozens of innocent people because of who they love or who they sleep with or how they identify. So let's keep that in mind. Because in regular society, I'm reminded of the way we used to process things in the military, and that was a sort of collective punishment or a collective condemnation of people. So we have a shooting in Orlando. 50 people are dead. Over 50 people are injured. Some of them will most likely die in the coming days. So it will be over 50 people murdered. Yes. But at the same time, Millions and millions and millions of Americans live peacefully next to each other. So we hear people say, my God, over 100 people were shot. America is a crazy place. Well, in some ways, yes, America is a crazy place. So is India. So is China. So is England. So is Italy. So is Liberia. So is Iran. A lot of these places, in my opinion, everywhere any nation state, any culture has its problems. And one of our problems in the United States, obviously, is gun violence. But is it the guns? Is it because of the inherent racism in this country? Is it the history of slavery, a history of Jim Crow, a history of segregation, both political, cultural, I'm sorry, political, cultural, and economic segregation that continues today, a de facto segregation. Is it because of that culture of white supremacy and racism? Is it because we are the most religious nation in the Western world? Is it because we have 5% of the world's population and 25% of the world's prisoners? Or is it because we have 5% of the world's population, yet we use over 75% of the world's narco-prescription drugs? Is it because we have 5% of the world's population, but we almost spend what the rest of the world spends combined on our military empire? Is it because we are invading and destroying nations and people around the world, overthrowing democratically elected governments? torturing and assassinating innocent people? Is it because this culture was built on patriarchy 
the idea that women are not only second-class citizens, but that women, from the beginning, have been subjected to male dominance and male rule. So really, what are women here for? Women are here to take care of male needs, and women are here... And, and those needs could be um, political needs, they could be economic needs, they could be needs around the house, they could be sexual needs. The point is, is that women are here and used as a resource for males. And so as I saw someone comment earlier on social media, those males who see other males or other individuals not fitting into that category, hence people within the LGBTQ community, those people are also targets of violence. You know, so, I, I mean, I'm trying to think, I'm thinking of all of this put together here. I'm thinking of the very specific context that is the United States. I mean, when I go overseas, there is no doubting this. You know, it, for anyone who has spent time abroad... They know, you know, what it's like to talk to Europeans, Australians, Latin Americans, Asians, etc. about gun violence in the United States. When I was in Sydney, Australia last fall, I was sitting in a cafe, enjoying my breakfast, and looking through the Sydney Morning Herald which I believe is the largest newspaper in Sydney. The largest city in Australia. And lo and behold, what is in the cartoon section? It's a caricature of Donald Trump holding a, an American flag on one hand and with a bald eagle on his arm, alluding to the sort of goofy video with Trump and an eagle in his office. And next to Trump in the caricature is a picture of Ben Carson with an AK-47 in his hand. Both of them smiling, both of them looking utterly ridiculous, almost as ridiculous as they look in real life. And the caption above the caricature said, American Values. I mean, it's a little, it's a little nuts. It's actually, it's actually, no, it's not a little nuts. It's absolutely insane that we have more people in this country who are willing to cause a bigger stir about the government coming to take their weapons than they would about health care. So we have people that we have tens of millions of people in this country who are, are in the streets on social media, calling their representatives, losing their minds because they think someone's going to take their guns, which is never going to happen, never has happened, never will happen. But they don't care whether or not they have affordable health care. Maybe they, these people do care. You know, I'm assuming maybe some of these people do care, but they, they surely aren't showing it. I mean, this is sort of the madness that a right-wing ideology produces. 
So I'm, I'm scrolling through social media today, and my news feed is jam-packed with statements about this issue. Okay, it's a huge issue. We've got over, I think, thirty to 35,000 Americans on average who are basically killed every year and have been for the, over a decade now in this country. That's insane. At the same time, however, we have people without jobs. We have people living in the streets, hundreds of thousands of whom are veterans in this country. We are killing millions of people abroad. We let millions and millions of children go to sleep hungry. We throw millions of them in jail. We destroy millions of people's lives who are trying to come across the border because of bad trade deals that our Democratic presidents have pushed. Because of the war on drugs that we've pushed for the last 40 years that's caused devastation in Latin America. Because of the CIA overthrowing governments in Latin America. So we have people coming across the border. We treat them like shit. Like these people want to leave the tropical paradise of West Coast Mexico to live in Alabama or Northwest Indiana. Are you serious? So we treat all of these people like crap. At least the good, well, our institutions do, our government does, our corporations do, the banks do. And I hear very little of it on a day-to-day basis or read very little of it on a day-to-day basis. Now, the exception, of course, has been the Bernie Sanders campaign on one hand and then, of course, the many uh, grassroots organizations, neighborhood groups, and so forth who are organizing on a daily basis. Excuse me. Reminding people of different issues such as Black Lives Matter and, and environmental justice and so forth. But outside of those groups and even some of those people who I see writing lengthy comments, essays about this particular topic, but not as fired up when we get the news about 50 people who were hit by a drone strike during a wedding ceremony in Afghanistan after 15 years of the United States occupying and destroying that country. So I'm sorry, but I, when I see all these people picking sides, you know, I look, at, I look at someone like Obama and I say, this guy's a real piece of shit. I don't look at Obama with any kind of respect. I didn't respect him in 2007 when he was running for office. I sure as hell don't respect him now. Dianne Feinstein and Barbara Boxer. So Barbara Boxer, the same scumbag who is in Las Vegas, Nevada, subverting democracy. Now I'm supposed to cry crocodile tears with Barbara Boxer on TV because she wants to talk about how much she cares about people's lives and she wants to take away the guns or, or put in more laws. I'm sorry. It sound like the right wingers now, but <laughs> you know that she wants to put in more laws to help people's lives because, oh, she just sits awake at night caring about people's lives. But during the day, she happens to go to political conventions to make sure that people are screwed. Come on. I don't buy into this stuff. This is why I don't like taking sides on some of these issues. It's not that you shouldn't have principles. Not that you shouldn't have values. Not that you shouldn't stand up and speak for them. 
But these easy just sharing a meme here, sharing a meme there, you know, sharing a two-sentence quote or sharing somebody's Twitter comment, 160 characters of so-called wisdom. I mean, these issues are complex, particularly the issues of violence and guns in the United States. Because how is this issue already being used? You know what I've already heard on the news, of course. Talk of stripping more civil liberties. And this, my friends, was the... This was... This is what we always have to remember. Yes, people should be allowed to be emotional. Yes, people should be allowed to have emotional responses to these sort of tragedies. Unquestionably so. But we cannot process these issues in an emotional manner because it's a disservice not only to the victims of this tragedy, but it's a disservice to ourselves. It's a disservice to the issue itself. So to just think about things on a deeper, more complex level, knowing, and I knew right away, and maybe some would say this is cynicism, some might say it's simply being politically educated, and that doesn't come through a college. That just means some people just get it. And I know plenty of people, other than myself, who called me last night or who sent me a message last night and said, wait, Vince, when are they going to start talking about spying measures, surveillance, and so forth? They've been subtle about it now. They understand that people are more educated about these issues than they were in 2001. So I saw a friend from Australia say, okay, this was it. Now, after this attack, without question, Donald Trump is going to be president of the United States. That completely different topic, not worth arguing right now, something you can talk about over beers at a barbecue or whatever. I personally think Hillary is going to win. There's many reasons for that. I've mentioned them in previous programs. I'll mention them in future programs. But aside from that, the response from the LGBTQ community has been spot on. So yes, there are elements within the LGBTQ community which is not a homogenous community. The name itself, of course, illustrates the diversity of the community. The acronym itself. That being said, the overwhelming response that I have read, heard so far has been, we are not going to use this issue to demonize Muslims, number one. Number two, we are not going to use this issue to allow the gun manufacturers and the NRA to exploit LGBTQ lives. And number three, as I've seen a very brave woman last night on TV mention, we are not going to allow the right wing, the government, and the military and the interests that support those elements in our society to exploit this incident in order to push for more wars in the Middle East. As though they've been so popular and so successful thus far. Let's remember the root 
cause of these issues, my friends. People are worried about ISIS. Where does ISIS come from? Iraq. Why was Iraq destroyed? Because the United States government and its allies, particularly Tony Blair, a Labor Party guy, by the way, our version of a Democrat, pushed for the war in Iraq based on lies, destroyed that nation, and destroyed the nations around it. You could blame what's happened in Libya on the United States and our European allies. You can blame largely what's happened in Palestine on the United States and our European allies. You can blame largely what's happened in Afghanistan on the United States and its European allies and the policies that we've had concerning that nation and the region since the late 1970s, which, by the way, took place under Jimmy Carter, another Democratic hero. For those who aren't aware, I suggest reading about the, quote, Carter Doctrine. The idea that the United States will use military force if and when we deem necessary, if and when our interests or our perceived interests are at risk in the Middle East, primarily natural resources, primarily petroleum and the flow of petroleum throughout the Mediterranean, throughout the Middle East, throughout the Persian Gulf. So we have unleashed, well, let's back up. Just to, to connect this to the shooting in terms of the shooter identifying with ISIS, and now it's coming out that he also said he identified with Hezbollah, which is actually a Shia group. Uh, he's also saying that he identified with members uh, various elements of the Taliban, which is different from both of those groups, not to mention there are dozens of groups within the quote-unquote Taliban or people who elements and organizations and entities that consider themselves Taliban, dozens of whom have different ideologies from each other. All of these things, this complexity, is lost in the media mix because the media wants an easy narrative. The media, at the very most, is going to function on what, or is going to process this maybe two or three elements at one time. You know, maybe they'll talk about the fact that there were LGBTQ people who were targeted at the same time that they'll talk about the connection with Islam, at the same time they'll talk about the connection with patriarchy and masculinity. Because that's, I mean, who, who is threatened? Who are the people in my life or who are the people in your life that you've seen the most threatened by uh, a gay couple kissing as this gentleman, this Omar, uh, whatever his last name is, I really could care less, said to his father. He was offended that he saw these men kissing in the street when he was walking with his son. The only people I know who are offended by that kind of stuff are hyper-masculine, like the most toxic masculine men that you know of. It's the sort of men who still call each other fags if they don't like something. It's the sort of men who still call people they don't agree with faggots. It's not just the language, and it's not just individual homophobia, subjective forms of homophobia. It's an entire culture that's built around this. 
it's a culture that says if you do not fall in line with the way that I think the world should look, I will violently attack you and your way of life. The LGBTQ community knows that this didn't start with Islam. That's why you're not going to fool that community. The re the, so the people out there who say, oh, this is going to be used to get Donald Trump elected, you're not, doing it, you're not doing the LGBTQ community a service. You're doing them a disservice by saying that kind of shit. Why? Because the LGBTQ community is smarter than that. Why? Because they have been attacked in this country and around the world for centuries, for millennia. In one form or another. LGBTQ community in the United States, various for portions of that community, have been routinely attacked in violent ways by Christian terrorists, by right-wing bigots in this country. The majority of whom, 99% of whom, did not look like Omar Matif. Largely, they were white men. Of course, they weren't all white men, but the overwhelming majority were. And still are. If you look at the outrageous statements by Republican and right-wing conservative politicians in the Senate and in the House, let alone at the local level, where even more insane things are said, it's just not being covered as well, and that's changing as well with social media. So these bozos who've gotten away with murder at the local level, those days are coming to an end. So the right wing in this country has fed this for years, for decades. Right wing radio has fed this. People like Michael Savage on the airwaves calling people puffed lip metrosexuals whatever the hell that means. And so this is the context here in the United States. You can't just talk about guns. You can't just talk about LGBTQ rights and homophobia. You can't just talk about radical forms of religious ideologies. We can't just talk about racism or Islamophobia can't just talk about patriarchy and misogyny. We have to talk about all those things. We have to talk about them, including what I had mentioned before, which is our civil liberties. Because pay attention, folks, in the coming days, in the, in the coming weeks, and I'm not talking about the Second Amendment here. I'm talking about particularly surveillance. Because the overwhelming... Uh, discussion or an overwhelming portion of the ongoing discussion and debate will be about surveillance, particularly in the realm of internet activity. That's already going on. I already heard the conversations on NPR. I've already read the articles on the internet and I've already seen the discussions taking place on the major cable news networks. The discussion going forward will be twofold. The loud discussion will be between 
Islamophobic forces in this country and forces in this country that want to live in a more multicultural society. And it will be between the NRA and the pro-gun lobby and the gun manufacturers and a mixture of people who do want reasonable gun control and then another mixture of people who I also think are sort of equally irrational as the right-wing folks. Maybe not quite as irrational because the right-wing folks really, I mean, they're really out there, especially with the guns in this country, sort of beyond the pale of what most people can understand, what's reasonable or logical or rational. But also from the other side, the idea that this is the most important issue right now in the United States is complete bullshit. You see, folks, this is why Hillary Clinton used this line as an attack against, and really the first attack, if, if people who are listening to this remember correctly, back during the first Democratic debate in the primary this season, the most scathing attack Hillary Clinton had for Bernie Sanders was about his policies on guns. Now, is Bernie Sanders in the pocket of the NRA? Of course not. However, Bernie Sanders was able to create a meaningful and real coalition among largely, yes, I will be clear, white people in the state of Vermont, but among people who are extremely liberal, people who are on the left wing, people who consider themselves progressive, and also centrist folks and right wing folks. So conservatives, traditional conservatives, not right wing, say, in the mold of Glenn Beck or the Tea Party, but conservatives, say, in the mold of somebody like Dick Luger. So say a traditional conservative. He was able to create coalitions with these people, which is why he's been the longest serving independent senator in the history of the United States. There's a reason for that. And that's because he's focusing on the bread and butter issues that people care about the most. Does that mean that guns and violence and so forth isn't a real issue? Of course not. I'm not saying that. Maybe for some people in some places... That issue is the number one issue. But here's what I know. For the vast majority of Americans, especially those who aren't paying attention to the media, because that's another thing I want to touch on, is it, at times like this, I think it's really important for people to simply turn off their TV or to stay away from those channels, to stay out of the, so, the realm of social media and so on. So yes, this morning I did a quick scan, but after that, I put the thing away for the day. Why? Because it's toxic. Because it's going to get people fired up about what and what in the world do people think is going to happen in the meantime. I'm sorry. I mean, even as much as I think that we should have various forms of gun legislation passed to prohibit people from obtaining different sorts of weapons, ammunition, and so on. The way that the current political culture looks, I don't think a damn thing's going to happen. And if we're looking at Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump in the fall, you can guarantee that there will not be any gun legislation passed. Or legislation concerning guns, I should say. The right wing is going to lose their minds if or when Clinton is elected. And the left wing and liberals are going to lose their minds if Donald Trump is elected. 
if anyone thinks that any sort of meaningful legislation is going to be passed in the next four years, you too are out of your mind. So you can take that to the bank today. I don't know what the date is, sometime in June, whatever, 2016, June 2016. In June 2020, let's, get, let's come back and let's, t- let's talk about whether or not significant legislation has been passed. Now that's without, let's, let me make sort of a clarification here. If people do not, if people are unable in this country, if progressive left-wing liberal people are unable to build a serious coalition and take over portions of the government, both at the state and local levels and also at the national level, there will not be one significant piece of decent legislation passed in the next four years. And furthermore, as I was mentioning with regard to Bernie, the reason he's not focusing on guns or gun rights or gun violence is because that is not the issue that the majority of Americans care about. The issues that the majority of Americans care about is an economy that's failing them, an environment that's being destroyed and they don't think there's going to be a decent earth left for their children or for future generations. People are worried about massive amounts of student loan debt and other forms of debt, including credit card debt. People are worried that they're not going to find any sort of decent means of employment and that they'll simply be flipping burgers for seven or eight or nine or ten bucks an hour for the rest of their lives working part-time with no benefits, no chances to advance their lives, no chances to advance the lives of their children or their families. Those are the issues people care about. That's why Bernie has done so well. This issue with guns, if it's not talked about in a very lengthy way, which the news media does not present it, the news media and the way the media is set up in this country today is not conducive to decent and meaningful conversations about any topic, let alone a topic that's as divisive as guns, gun rights, violence, murders, massacres, and so forth. These issues, and rightly so, in some ways, bring out the worst in people. Of course, we're talking about people being slaughtered at a nightclub. For those who can't imagine this, let me tell you, as someone with PTSD, as someone who's seen plenty of dead bodies, as someone who's seen people shot with guns. It's not a pretty sight. It's disgusting. It's terrible. It will haunt people for the rest of their lives. And it does. And it has. And it will. So for the, I don't know if it's over hundred, hundreds, dozens of people who weren't killed in this massacre in Orlando, they're going to be severely traumatized. We should keep that in mind. Now, these are people who are going to need massive amounts of help. This, What happened on Saturday night, and I think I've had as cynical of a reaction as anybody, where my first reaction when I heard about it was, I, okay, it's another murder, I can't, I mean... What can I say? What are we going to do? I don't think much. So my initial reaction was very cynical. It's very nihilistic in some ways. 
I try and challenge myself when I'm feeling that way. So it helps to have people around who are going to challenge me and say, no, Vince, this is unacceptable, and here's why it's unacceptable, and we have to do something about it. But my point is that until we take care of some of these other issues, so instead of just looking at the tools of destruction, looking at the cause of destruction, and people are asking, because people, you know, so you'll hear people say, racist people in the United States, right-wing elements and so forth. You'll hear people say, oh, well, the violence in Chicago, you know, that's just those blacks acting up. You know, that's how blacks act. You know, they just, they've got no sense and they kill each other and they're ignorant and so on. That is a dominant view among many in, the, in uh, white America. No question about it. That view... Or the view that, oh, this is just another Muslim and this is how Muslims act, is just as flawed and racist and, and, and unacceptable as the people who make that argument about black people who live in cities like Gary or on the south side or west side of Chicago. There's a lot of different factors that must be discussed. There's no way to understand violence on the south side of Chicago without understanding the war on drugs. Or the prison industrial complex. Or militarized policing in the form of people like John, John uh, Burge. Or Birch. Who is uh, torturing civilians and suspects using methods he learned in Vietnam. So well, there you go. You want to talk about connections. These are the connections in our violent society. We have a police chief who served in Vietnam, what many consider to be one of the greatest war crimes of the 20th century, one of the most powerful nations, actually the, at the time and still the most powerful nation on the planet Earth, destroying and murdering peasants and farmers in Vietnam. So this gentleman goes from that war to then one of the most corrupt institutions in the city of Chicago, some would argue maybe the most corrupt institution in the city of Chicago, the Chicago Police Department, who's paid out hundreds of millions of dollars for the damage they've caused, people's lives, false imprisonment, torture, murders, no different than a cartel or a gang, goes into that institution and uses the tactics that he learned in the war in Vietnam to then torture prisoners working for and operating under a brand new institution or a new institution for him and an equally corrupt institution in, in the Chicago Police Department and going after largely black men. So you have a hyper-masculinity wrapped into that. You have an inherently violent or inherently violent institutions that play a large role in this person's behavior. You have his personal racism toward black people, but then also that personal racism finding a home in an inherently racist institution. And you can see how all of these things are tied together. The kind of fear, and let's remember, this is what we're talking about here at its core. 
people being scared, which is why at the beginning of the program, I wanted to emphasize that everyone should calm down. Turn off your TVs, turn off your radios, and get the hell off of social media for the day. Leave it alone. For those who live where I live, it's going to be in the mid-80s. It's going to be partly cloudy. There's a 99.9999% chance that no one's going to shoot you today. And you should go outside, and you should enjoy the day. And yes, you should probably keep this on in your mind. You should probably talk about this with friends and family if they want to talk about it. But to interact with people on social media, to look at the constant and never-ending news reports, to listen to the radio reports, the incessant radio, radio reports about this, it's not positive. It's not going to do anything good for you. You're not going to better understand the situation. In fact, I would argue that you're going to only become more confused the more you expose yourself to that sort of intellectual trash and cultural trash, because that's what it is. It's cultural trash. You've got professional actors like Rachel Maddow, Chris Matthews, Sean Hannity, Bill O'Reilly, Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon. These people are professional actors. Never forget that. Anyone who's done TV work under, should understand or movie work understands how this works. There's a certain way you have to talk. There's a certain way you have to present yourself. There's a ton of makeup that you have to put on. You're more concerned with your image, your body movements, whether or not you're going to move your hands, how far you can move your hands to stay in the shot, all of that. You know, so what we're talking about is professional actors, always remember that, who are looking for ratings. And the way that they get more ratings is to get people more fired up. And the way they can get people more fired up is to come out with more and more outlandish news stories and headlines. Next week, my friends, next week, this will not be on the tips of anyone's tongues. I promise you that. What was the story last week? I'm trying to think of what this, the huge story last week was. And what was on everyone's mind? It sure as hell wasn't gun violence. And that issue's already gone. I'm trying, I'm going to, I'm logging online right now just so I can quickly glance through. Well, it was, let's put it this way. It was in some ways a week ago, it was sort of the collapse of our democracy or sort of the nail in the coffin. I mean, a lot of people have been arguing for a long time and maybe from the very beginning that the United States is, has nominally democratic institutions, but not genuinely democratic institutions. Nonetheless, last week people were talking about, in my opinion, a more fundamentally important issue, which is the way that the democratic system and the electoral politics functions in the United States. Because you see, if we had a more democratic system, if we had systems and institutions that functioned more properly and more effectively for average people, not for gun lobbies and corporate interests and so on, We wouldn't be in this situation. Why wouldn't we be in this situation? Because we wouldn't have bombed and invaded Iraq and Afghanistan. Subsequently destroying an entire region. We wouldn't have done that. We wouldn't have stripped people's civil liberties. If we had a decent media and a decent government, we wouldn't allow 
the gun manufacturers to have the kind of strength and influence that they have in the halls of power. So you see, folks, for those who are out there, because I'm, I've also read some responses from people who are saying, you know, I can't believe people are trying to make this into a political issue. Can't everyone just be nice to each other? You can't. It's, this isn't, that's not how the world works, folks. So please, let's stop that. You know, let's stop this idea that, oh, if everybody's just nice to each other, all this stuff will stop. You know, and my God, how can you make this into a political issue? I'm sorry, folks. Life is, life is politics. I have a glass of water in my hand. Where'd the water come from? The faucet. Who controls the faucet? The city government. I'm on a microphone right now hooked up to the Internet. Provided by what? Electricity and an Internet provider. Well, who regulates and determines who has electricity and the Internet? The government and corporations. Politics. There's not a damn thing that we do throughout the day that's not political. So everyone who wants to make this into some subjective, individualized process of if you can, if you just hold the door and, and allow people to walk in, you know, and if you just hold the door for people, if you're just nice to people, all of this stuff, all of these issues that are tied to institutions and ideologies and cultures and so on, it'll go away. Nonsense. So, last but not least, there are those who would argue that you're going to use these weapons for a revolution or to protect yourselves. Now, here I am somewhat torn. I mean, you know, the issue is, again, and this is the same with policing. If you look, People didn't want to do this when the Black Lives Matter movement started. People didn't want to look at the nuances of views regarding police within this community. This is a community that has a wide range of views when it comes to policing. So if you look at the statistics, if you look, I'm sorry, if you look at the polling data, you will see. police in their communities this is the same when you poll people who live in extremely violent areas about whether or not they want weapons plenty of people who live in violent areas want weapons to pr protect themselves now it's easy for a lot of people particularly white liberals and left-wing folks who live in rather protected safe environments to say you know what i you know we they don't need a gun or people shouldn't have guns. It's easy to say that when you live in that environment. Or, let's say as a woman. You know, so as a woman, I know plenty of females who say, I want a weapon because in this country, there's plenty of males who are running around uh, sexually assaulting, raping people, abusing people, assaulting people. And I would feel safer if I had a weapon. It's hard to argue with that. Now, a lot of the statistics show that as soon as you introduce guns into any context, the likelihood of someone getting hurt skyrockets. So this is part of the problem. This would, this would be something that would be in a response to somebody who's saying, I want guns to protect myself. But let's be very clear. I, I'm not even arguing that people should 
that people should take away assault rifles. But my argument is that if you're going to argue that you want an assault rifle, at least be honest about it. I mean, assault rifles are meant for one thing, and that is to assault people. It's not like you're going to have a pistol in your purse, and if somebody attacks you or tries to rape you, you're going to shoot them, or you got a shotgun in your house, which is still the best home defense weapon that you could possibly have in a home would be a shotgun. It's not having a shotgun in the house to protect your home if, if an intruder comes in or if somebody breaks into your house to protect your family and so on. An assault rifle, and the way it's set up, the sort of lack of recoil, the rate at which you can shoot the rounds, the magazines that carry the rounds, the handles and the, and the handle grips and the butt stocks that you can interchange on an AR-15 is meant for one thing and one thing only, and that's to effectively put rounds downrange and to kill people. That's what a 5.56 round is for. A 5.56 round is meant to puncture your skin and to bounce off of vital organs or to bounce off of bone structures and puncture vital organs. That's what a 5.56 round does. That's why it's such a destructive round. It's what it's meant for. I mean, so just be honest. Again, I'm actually not arguing one way or the other, I, but I am arguing that people should be honest. An assault rifle is meant for one thing. And it makes it a lot easier to kill people. If you think that this person would have been able to go into a nightclub with a 308 hunting rifle and do the same damage that he did with an AR-15 assault rifle, you're out of your mind. So getting back to this question of revolution... In my thinking, with the kinds of weapons that we have in this country, if we don't have a serious sort of reconciliation, and that's among different ethnicities and racial groups and so on, that's even among different classes. If there's not justice, if there's not racial justice, if there's not uh, a, a serious revamping of the way that policing is done in this country, if things don't drastically change on any and every level that you can think of, politically, civically, economically, ecologically, this place, in my opinion, will be, as I mentioned in a previous program, the North American Western version of Syria. There is enough divisions in this country. There's enough animosity in this country. There's enough, enough destructive ideologies and cultures in this country combined with the sort of racial and ethnic segregation that exists and the kind of poverty that exists and the kind of insane religious views that exist in various regions in this country that would indicate to me that this place is ripe for extreme violence. And then, of course, what I should have added at the end that makes it ripe for extreme violence is the fact that we have a weapon per person in the United States. That's the ratio. One weapon per one person. That's men, women, and children meaning there are over 330 million weapons in this country at any given time. What you do with those weapons, I have no idea. Because Americans aren't going to give them up. And in fact, I'm scared of giving them up. Why? Because you know what's sick for my generation? Because my generation, and I, I'm sorry, but... This is how I view what's happening. 
unless things drastically change, I'm expecting that to be the future in this country. There is nothing on the international, national, local, or regional political scene that leads me to believe, right now at least, and this doesn't mean that people should give up, this doesn't mean that people shouldn't be fighting constantly, but there's nothing to lead me to believe that this culture, this nation, or the world is going to go through a radical shift in the coming years and decades. Meaning, in my opinion, capitalism will only get worse for us. The environment will only get worse for us. Racial tensions will continue to get worse in the United States. Gun violence and poverty will continue to get worse in the United States. Because right now, we don't have the movements capable or the political power necessary to change those dynamics. And so in some ways, I'm worried. Because if things do collapse in this country, if the, and we've had it so good for so long that the very idea that things could collapse in this country is so far out there for a lot of people. But I don't think it's far off. I don't think it's far off at all. And what we were telling people about 10 years ago when we were warning people that this country is on the verge of fascism, that this country is on the verge of some very sick things happening, people told us we were nuts. And what I'm saying now is in 10, 20 years, if things don't radically change, this country is going to be in collapse mode, meaning extreme violence, meaning there won't be police or people to protect people the way that people would expect that to happen now, particularly, say, in white middle-class communities. And nonetheless, we're running out of time. I might continue some of this conversation next week because I do think the topic is very important. It encompasses almost everything in our society, and we could talk about it for a very long time. So, nonetheless, you know, hey, thanks for tuning in. I hope you got something out of that. Turn off the media for the day. Go enjoy your friends and family. You're listening to Meditations and Molotovs. I am your host, Vince Emanuele. This is the Progressive Radio Network. Check us out at prn.fm every Monday at 2 p.m. East Coast time. See you next week. We don't know the contrast, just as we don't know the contrast voluntary involuntary. We don't know the contrast organically.